Hello, welcome to the latest episode of House of League and we have a special edition this time around. We are going to be at the heart of one of the big stories of the week, which has been a certain swap deal involving Hull KR and Wakefield Trinity. Over uh, the last couple of days, the two clubs have negotiated a deal that will see Corey Hall join Hull KR and going the other way, Will Dagger is going to Wakefield. And thankfully, gratefully, we have two men who were key to making that deal happen on our show this week. The first one is with us now, none other than Hull KR Chief Executive Paul Aiken. Paul, thank you very much for coming on. I know that you're incredibly busy and you've had a busy week already. We're only on what we're recording on Wednesday and you've uh, you've got a deal done that I assume you weren't expecting to do not too long ago. Yeah, very true. Yeah, it has been a busy few days, um, but all good. Um, I was a, I was away at the weekend actually, um, after ourselves playing on Friday night. So that was a somewhat disrupted weekend, but uh, yeah, good, good outcome for ourselves. We're happy. Let's let's get into it then. Let's get into this deal. Um, but it, it really has caught the imagination of of rugby league fans beyond Hull KR and Wakefield. Everyone's got their their say on it. I want I want to get your say on it, but before that. Talk us through the process. When did this first start manoeuvring? Um, I got a call on Saturday morning um, asking me about the opportunity to do something with, with Corey. Um, if he obviously suited Wakefield too. Um, Michael Wakefield knew that we had previous interest Um and it's out there in the public domain. I think that we'd previously privately put two separate bids in for Corey over the last 12 to 18 months, 12 months probably. So Michael knew there was always a long-standing interest there. So And he, and he contacted me on Saturday morning to ask if that interest was still there, which it clearly was. So just before we move on, what is it about Corey that Hull KR like as a club? We know that you, you know, you've taken on this policy of, of young and British. Um, and it's worked very well for you know we've seen the likes of James Batchelor, George King, Sam Luckley, so on, so forth. Been loads. Is is it the fact that he fits into that, or is there a little bit more to what you like about Corey? He's an athlete. Full stop. And I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's a he's an athlete who, at the age of twenty, has played over thirty Super League games uh, in a position centre that we don't feel as a club that there are too many. Um, players of uh, at his age, of his ability, of how many games he's got under his belt in that position. So um, he's got pace, and um, he's got um, obviously years of development ahead of him too. So um, we have had a policy um, for some time, but certainly with Willie, that nothing's off the table, and first and foremost, there have to be an athlete and they have to be fit. So, and Corey um, fits that mould and obviously he's a very talented rugby league player. So, they come back to you and, and mention Corey Hall. At what point does uh, Will Dagger get brought into the equation? And, and just, I suppose, how quickly did that agreement between the two clubs come, come about? Yeah, it's... Um... It developed during the Saturday and, um, you know, for something like this to happen, obviously, it goes without saying both coaches have to agree to it. 
but also you're talking about two young lads, you know, um, Will and and Corey. Like I say he's only twenty, and it's a, and it's a big thing for them to take on board to just sort of be told that they could be moving clubs in the space of forty eight hours. So there's other considerations there, and, and, and you know they needed time to think about it. So it was um, it was it was clear to everybody by Sunday morning where we were at, and it was a question of just working through it on. Um, Sunday, um, they both have the same agent, Craig Harrison. So, um, you know, I was talking to Craig regularly and understanding where we're at with both the players. And, you know, we know Will obviously very, very well anyway. So, um, and um, Corey ov- obviously was informed at their end. So it developed throughout, throughout Sunday and then um, it was finalised Monday afternoon early Monday evening, and it was just a question of the paperwork then for Tuesday morning. The, the question that I was interested in here, how did you broach it with Will? Because, look, I, I don't think Will's made a secret of the fact that he, he loved his time at Hulk. He was the longest-serving player at the club. Um, obviously, he was he was part of, of Willie Peters' plan for this year. I, I can only imagine that that's a difficult conversation to have for whoever had it, whether it were you, uh, his agent, Willie, you know, to go, look, the deal coming about that was going to see us move you on. That must be quite a challenging conversation to have. Well, yes, but, you know, my firm belief, and, and it always has been, is um, absolutely tackle everything with honesty. So, and um, all our players get honesty from myself and, and Willie, and uh, and you get the respect back for that. So, um, Will was out of contract at the the end of this year. Um, myself and Will have obviously been talking, seemingly like forever, always on retention and recruitment on a daily basis. And you know, we currently have, as it stands, three fullbacks, and uh, quite a few clubs don't have that. Quite a few operate with two fullbacks and and um, versatile player. And we felt that. You know, Will, good player that he is, he isn't our first choice fullback. We've given Phoenix a long term um, extension. So we obviously um, want to progress Phoenix uh, over the next two or three years. And therefore, we were probably not looking to um, extend Will at the end of this year anyway. And it was a question of sitting down and just being not, and, and you know, and Willie did that as the head coach and sat down and was just honest with him. And, and this is an opportunity. Um, you know, Wakefield have got everything to play for, everything to fight for. I don't need to speak for for Wakefield, of course, but Will 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 get to play every week. He gets to play in Super League every week, and he gets to help hopefully um, uh, deliver the results that Wakefield want. Uh, and if he doesn't, then at the very least, he puts himself in the shop window. Were you surprised that Wakefield were ha- were happy to do the deal as it was in terms of swap for swap? Corey Hall for Will Dagger? The honest answer is, in, you know, in sport, every club has different requirements at different times. So, um, you know, and, and Wakefield obviously had their thoughts on it, but I, I think they felt they had an imbalance in their squad and they were desperately short of a fullback. So it, su- so it suited their requirements at that particular time. So, look, I can't really answer that, Matt, if I'm honest. I can only answer from our point of view, which is that, we, you know, we you know, we were keen to do the deal as soon as it was approached to us because we'd made it known that we were keen on Corey. 
and I have been for some time. So um, I think, you know, to be fair, Michael at Wakefield would, would, would answer that far better than I about their needs. But my sense was that they, they had an imbalance in their squad. They felt with injuries and, and where they needed key positions and, and and he, um, fullback was a priority. So if it was their priority, then it suited their needs. And and like I say, it it fell in nicely for what our needs are. And you must be delighted with the deal, though, to be able to get a player that ultimately, as you said, you, you've tried to to buy not too long ago. To now be able to get him on a, on a swap deal for a player that, as you said, maybe didn't fit into the, the long term thinking. That must that must surely represent a fantastic piece of business for yourselves yeah we're really pleased with it uh, really pleased um looking forward to um having curry in the club from tomorrow so it's players day off today um really pleased it's always nice to get a good addition during the season um i'm a, I'm a big believer matt that that I, and i know the sport doesn't have the depth that um other sports like football have in terms of players but i'm a big believer that you must keep an open mind and nothing should be off the table. And, and, you know, throughout the whole season, then, um, you know, I'm always open to thoughts and conversations in terms of how we can constantly improve our squad. If the opportunity arises. I was going to say, do, do you, do you think we're coming into a year, a, a period within the year where a few of these deals, not necessarily with yourselves, but we might see a few of these deals because, it does seem, just on the quiet, there are a few clubs maybe looking to make a few little manoeuvres here and there at the minute. Well, we're six games in, aren't we? And and, and I think um, a few injuries are biting a few squads. And I think it is that time of year now where people are starting to form opinions of perhaps the roster for the following year and therefore would they be prepared to let somebody go during this year if it suited them? So, like I say, this deal particularly suited us very well. Um but uh, I think that yeah, we're a, I think we're a particularly proactive club in the marketplace. Um, myself and Willie never stop at it, to be honest. So, um, I, and I think if if other clubs are proactive, I think opportunities potentially one or two will will arise. We did one a couple of years ago with Lewis Johnson and Robbie Mulhern, um, and obviously uh, Lewis is still with ourselves. So you know we were happy with that. This is more of a um, this this almost fitted even better because, um, like I say, of our, our, our interest we had in Corey. But yeah, I, you know, I, I I can see one 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 or two more of these deals happening. I think um, I think this deal helped us with it being the same agent, the same manager as it yeah. was last time. I think that does help because it's one one in, uh, one person less involved. But um, yeah, I think most clubs we'll be looking to be fairly proactive and looking to tweak their squads. The thoughts of Hull KR CEO Paul Lakin there. We'll be hearing more from him shortly about all things Hull KR, recruitment, IMG, much, much more. But for now, we're going to turn our attention to Wakefield and their perspective on this loan deal. Joining us now is Wakefield CEO Michael Carter. Thank you for joining us, Michael, because I think uh, I said to Paul, I know you're busy at the minute. I think you, you're even busier at the minute. It sounds like uh, there's a lot of plates spinning, fingers in pies, irons in fire, all that sort of thing. Uh, so I appreciate your time. Just how busy are you at the minute? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, we are uh, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, continually trying to scour for 
available players, um, you know, that will improve uh, our current position. Uh, and that's, you know, that's the, the sort of top and bottom of how my days have been filled at this moment in time. Um, you know, the, the phone's been red hot, um, but equally, you know, it's becoming increasingly difficult to find players that are available uh, that will improve your club. Um, you know, and equally that's got to be done within a budget, um, you know, because we haven't got somebody that we can just turn to and say, give us a hundred grand to go and bring this player in. Um, you know, that's not available at our club as well. So it's extremely uh, busy at this moment in time and there's a lot of plates spinning, as you've said. Um, you know, and we, we are actively trying to recruit more players into the club. Let, let's get into this this swap deal because uh, look, it's it's funny. I think swap deals always capture the imagination of, of fans of the clubs, but also wider. And 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 this one's been no different. From from a Wakefield perspective, just explain to us how how it got to the point where it did, where ultimately the deal came off. That you you take Will Dagger and Hulke I take Corey Hall. From from your end, how how did this how did this come about? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think uh, going back probably the past year or so, um, I'd had conversations with Paul at OKR regarding certain players, um, you know, and, and, and we'd been looking uh, ultimately recently uh, to bring a, a fullback into the club. You know, we've we've been, what, four games, five games even uh, since Max got injured. Um, we knew we had a, uh, a fragility about our squad that Max was probably the only out-and-out fullback um, with Super League experience that we had within our squad. And as Sod's Law would have it, you know, Max ends up in a freak training accident where uh, he ends up doing his ankle and we're looking at 12 weeks out. Uh, and we look through our squad and, you know, Liam Kay holds his hand up, as he has done on many, many occasions. Um that he will plug that gap for us. Uh, ultimately, you know, we go to Salford and we are absolutely in the game. And But even Liam, you know, he held his hands up afterwards. There were some crucial errors within that game um, that may or may not have cost us the game. I, I wouldn't want to throw that on Liam because he's, a, he's an outstanding player within our squad. Um, but we felt that there's been a lot of miss, missed opportunities, certainly attacking-wise, where... An out-and-out fullback may have proved the difference at certain points of the game. So, you know, Robbie played there against KR last week, and again, you're throwing a young kid with no Super League experience whatsoever into a, a full-on Hull KR, uh, you know, super team attacking really well, um, and and Robbie does his best. But ultimately, you know, there are certain things within that game as well where we feel like we just need. A Super League experienced fullback. So, had another chat with Paul. You know, we we cast our eyes on Will Dagger. Uh, I think a lot of people are forgetting that I had Will Dagger in my scholarship um, as a 15 and 16 year old. And at the time, I made Will the biggest offer I've ever made to a scholarship player to join our academy. Ultimately, Warrington's offer at the time was uh, a better offer for Will, uh, and he and he disappeared to Warrington then end up at Hull KR uh, and you know it's always a, he's always a player that I've kept my eye on um, and and it came round to a you know would you let Will Dagger go and the conversation develops and 
you know, Corey Hall was a, a player that Hall KR were keen on, uh, and ultimately we led to a uh, led to a swap deal. You know, I've had a number of people say to me, "Well, why did you just get Will Dagger on loan?" Well, very simply, Hall KR wouldn't have let him go um, because he was seen as a key uh, element of their squad, particularly given he's probably the number one cover for Lachlan Coop within their squad as well. So sometimes you have to give something up. Uh, to get what you want. And, and ultimately, that ended up being the case in this deal. And in an ideal world, would I have wanted to let Corey Hall go? No, absolutely not. You know, I, I signed him back after losing him to Wigan uh, and ultimately Leeds. So, you know, Corey was a great professional, a, a great person to have around the club. But sometimes you've got to give something up to get something in. And, and that was the case in this deal. I suppose the... The challenge that that you've gone, you know, if, if we're having an honest conversation, uh, the the brutal side of business is that everyone's looking at Wakefield. They know uh, that you need a fullback. They know that you need some wins, and it almost strengthens any other club's position, doesn't it, against you because you need to do a deal more than they need to do a deal. Yeah, everybody, you know, everybody knows what their bargaining strength is when you sat round a table trying to trying to do a deal. Um, so, yeah, uh, are we in a great position at the minute? No, we're not. We're bottom of the league. Um, you know, as you've quite rightly said, people know that we need a fullback. Um, so when you are trying to bring players in, equally, they are they are trying to get the best deal that they can from their end. So, you know, nobody wants, uh, and I say this with the best, best will in the world, nobody wants your poorest players. They want your you know, you, your best players. Um, and I think Corey falls into that category. So, uh, yeah, you know, as I say, sometimes you've got to, you've got to give something up to get something in. And I think that was absolutely the case in this, in this example. And as we try to further revamp our squad to give it what we feel is the best chance of, of winning some Super League games, there may be some really other, you know, some more tough decisions that we need to take as a, management and coaching group that we feel will be in the best interest of Wakefield Trinity. Um, Because again, you know, uh, like I say, you're not, you're not going to give, you're not going to get clubs that are going to give up players to you just out of the goodness of the heart. That just doesn't happen in Super League. So, you know, there may be further tough decisions on the horizon for us. Mm -hmm. Just just on, on Corey, how, how difficult a conversation, how, how difficult a decision was it when you know you've got it all laid out and you'll have spoke with Mark Applegarth and all that, right, right, here we go. There's a fullback here, but to get him we've got we've got to move on Corey Hall. How long did that decision take to make? Because you know, th- these are big decisions, are they and, and not easy decisions to make either. Yeah, this has been rumbling, I would say, for the best part of a week. And um, you know, like I say, we 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 have to look through our squad to see what we've got and what we haven't got. Clearly, at this moment in time, we haven't got a fullback, uh, and clearly within the squad, we've got three people that can play centre: Reese Lynn, uh, Semisoni Langi, and Corey Hall. So, it kind of, in that respect, becomes a no-brainer that you can bring a fullback in, and you've still got two people that can that can play at centre. However. On the back of that, you then look at what are you trying to achieve long term? Of course, you want to keep the Corey Halls of this world. That's why I signed him to a two a new two-year deal 
in the off season after he'd had such a great season for us last year. Um, but you know, you've got to weigh up long term against there might not be any long term if you've gone down. You know, you've got to look at the short term as well because you know if we if we were to get relegated, then all them players can walk away anyway. So. Um, whilst you try and build for the future and you try and have a long-term perspective on things, you've got to be a realist that, you know, the short-term absolutely counts. And we felt in the short-term that getting a full-back in, because Max has probably still got uh, about eight weeks, I would say, where he's not going to be available. So, you know, you've got to... You, you, uh, and it's all in conjunction with your head coach, because ultimately he's picking the team and he's picking a team that he wants, you know, he feels has got the best chance of winning some Super League games. So, Mark was absolutely involved in all those decisions uh, and, and discussions. Uh, and as I say, you know, it's probably the best part of the week. But certainly yesterday, it was all day yesterday in terms of getting this deal. Either, you know, was it going to happen? Yes, we've decided it could happen. Then we've got to get it over the line. Players have to have respective uh, conversations with the clubs that they are going to. So that was a that was a full on day yesterday. And to be fair, mate, you know today's been equally the same with discussions about players, about where we need to fill holes in squads, um, where we feel we can improve things. You know, and and ultimately that's led to to Inner Senior coming on loan today as well. I'm gonna gonna touch on what might be coming in the next days and weeks in a minute. Just, just on, um, I thought it was really interesting what you said there about trying to plan long-term and do what's best long-term, but you've also got the balance of need to do short-term. I suppose there's two things that, isn't there? The, the reality is that there's, there's no point hiding away from it, that there is a threat of relegation. Any any team that hasn't hasn't won in the first six games, that, that's just a, a reality. Yes. I suppose that the other thing on top of that is how difficult is it for you as a club to try and make long-term recruitment decisions, um, not only when you're at the bottom and that Super League status is unsure, but also um, when you've constantly got to be thinking about the short term as well. It seems like a vicious cycle, to be honest. Yeah, yeah I, I'd agree. I, I think it's nigh on impossible, the task that we are faced with in terms of long-term recruitment but uh, and retention. At, at that mm. You know, we've we've got... Or we've made offers, uh, I, I'm kind of guessing off the top of my head here, but I would say we've made offers to probably at least eight, if not ten of our squad that are currently within our squad and that, that are out of contract at the end of the year. Um, and, you know, those discussions have stalled because of where we find ourselves in the table. And that is a consequence of the current promotion and relegation um, system that, that we face, particularly in Super League. Um you know, I get that everybody thinks it's the British way and everybody loves promotion and relegation and Sky love it and all that sort of thing. Um, but as a CEO of a club that's at the bottom at the minute, you know, I feel it's now nigh on impossible to retain and recruit players. You know, we've managed to get Will in. Um, I think the big thing for Will was that he wants regular game time. He's going to get that with us. Uh, probably the same for any senior, to be honest, that he wants some regular game time. So that's what we can offer. Um, but equally, you know, long-term future, what can you offer? Well, we simply don't know because we're in that situation where we're none from six um, and who knows what the future will hold. So what I can assure everybody out there, particularly Wakefield fans, is, you know, we are all fighting as hard as we can 
um, to turn to turn some performances into wins. Um, nobody's given up. Nobody's throwing the, the you know the white towel in. Um, uh, I was going to say I take comfort, but that's the the wrong choice of words. Um, we have had what I believe is you know some freak injuries, and I looked on the at training on Monday. You know, I think we got 11 of what I would class as our starting 17 stood on the sidelines um, watching. So that's that's not helping. However, we've got to get on with it. And we're, we're pretty confident that over the course of the next two to three weeks, we will welcome back a significant chunk of players from the injured list. So, again, that will help. Um, and that, I'm not trying to make excuses. We all get on with injuries. But I think we've probably been hit as hard as anybody at the start of the season with, with injuries. You mentioned, you know, there may be more uh, decisions to make in the coming days and weeks. There may be more movements. Uh, you've made no secret ju- just from the 10 minutes or so we've been speaking that you're actively looking. Are, are trades the most likely situation? as A swap deal? Because ultimately, I, I don't think I'm missing saying this. Wakefield are a club that can offer cash transfer fees, uh, yeah. not not ones that are going to tempt clubs to part with the players. So is is there going to be more cases where you might have to make some tough decisions on your current players and go, right, to get him in, we might have to let him go? Is that, is that yeah. a reality? I, I think that's a fair assumption, mate. I'd, uh, you know, you look at uh, the squads that are out there in Super League at the minute, you know, nobody's willingly giving up uh, quality players that are in their squad. Um, so in that respect, then you've got to try and tempt them with something. Uh, and how do you tempt them? You tempt them with players that you feel they may want as well. So it really is a, a wheeling and dealing situation at this moment in time, because, um, you know, like you say, we, ha- we haven't got 50 grand, a hundred grand to go out and say, we want, God, let's be, let's be really stupid, but we want George Williams off, Willie, uh, off Warrington. Uh, here's a hundred grand. Will will you let him come? That's clearly not going to happen. Um, so we've got to get really, really creative. We've got to get smart with the the finances and the budgets that we've got in place. Um, and we've got to make sure that we feel that whatever deal we can come up with, it actually enhances the position of Wakefield Trinity. And I I absolutely get that a lot of people, a lot of fans of Wakefield Trinity, think that. Giving up Corey Hall was a backward step. I get that. But equally, if we can't bring it off, we couldn't bring a fullback in, ultimately we weren't going to win a game because, you know, a fullback is a very, very key position on that field. And we we haven't been able to to name a regular one, six, seven, and nine all season. So and and the best teams do, you know, the 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 T I think you could plot a league table based on how often and how well your one, six, seven, and nine play. So, if we do nothing, you know, we're just gonna we're just gonna end up frittering away. So, I want people out there to understand that we are absolutely determined and, and working so hard to try and improve the squad that we've got at our at our um, at our club. And you know, to have to do that sometimes may you know, just involve a tough decision that people might, I understand people might, you know, look at it and say that's an absolute backward step. But if the coach is happy with it and he thinks he, it's improving us, we've got to back that coach, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's that's just the way sport is. I suppose that the the, the ultimate message, 
and, and uh, look, that's obviously one piece to the puzzle, isn't it? Will Dagger, Corey Hall. It, it sounds like potentially there's going to be more. I suppose ultimately the proof's in the pudding at the end of the season, isn't it? That that that's got to be the let's see where because you could end up in a position where you're safe and suddenly all these decisions look like brilliant decisions. You might it might not. It's it's, it's impossible to tell at the minute, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, and Matt, and, you know, I'll never have the benefit of being captain hindsight. So there'll be a load of people at the end of the season, you know, if we go down and um, we'll be saying, bloody hell, that was rubbish. You should have done this. You should have done that. You should have done the other. I don't get that luxury of living in that moment. I have to live in the moment that's happening here and now. Um, you know, and we feel that we've got an important run of games coming up and to have an absolute out and out fullback was a priority. In, in, in our case, um, you know, and we are looking at other areas that we feel that we need to strengthen. Um, you know, I, I, I think a middle is probably a priority within that. Um, but, you know, whatever whatever deal we get presented with or we get offered with or we go to other clubs and try and offer, it will all be done with the intention of improving the quality that we've got out on the field at this current moment in time. Mm. We will hear more from Michael Carter later on in this podcast, but for now, we are going to turn our attention back to Hull KR and listen to more of Paul Lakin, who discusses the club's ambitions, their recruitment plans, IMG, and much, much more. I've got to ask you about uh, long-term recruitment beyond now, because it's no secret that the club has um, found some new investment, the the power board that, that you've assembled, um comes what comes with that is opportunity to spend on whatever that may be but of course the thing that everyone looks at is playing rosters and who might we be able to sign can we get marquee players can we do this can we do that i think i think i mentioned to you the the other day um that someone who i still can't remember who it was but someone had said to me that hull kr were very very proactive in what they're trying to do at the minute just you know, making sure that they're on top of things, knowing what's going on, knowing the market, which um, obviously suggests that you're looking, you're active. What what can you tell us? What can you tell us about what Hull KR may or may not try to do for 2024? Well, first of all, in terms of uh, being very proactive, um, I think I'll put that down to perhaps mine and Willie's personalities. Um, um, we're both people that, perhaps never particularly stop and we're on to everything. So um, we we like to know what's going on elsewhere and what's in the marketplace constantly because then you're best positioned to do deals like we've just done this week uh, when you know exactly what's out in the marketplace. So I, I think that that is more of a, um, in terms of it being March and, and being very proactive, that's more of us just being uh, genuinely nosy and genuinely uh, are wanting to know where everybody's at with with. Every, players etc so in terms of um, recruitment for next year I'm going to give you unfortunately a bit of a boring answer in respect of it's only just starting to develop you know players have only just played six games the you know we've got we've got a strong squad we will be improving the squad further next year uh, we will be making additions that is for sure but but in what positions um, then uh, we don't entirely know yet. You know, we've got players, obviously, uh, Kane Lynette, Lachlan Koo, Sean Kenny Dow, all outstanding professionals um, um, who all know their own bodies, um, all know 
where they feel they are in terms of um, a step closer to retirement or not. And those those conversations will take place probably in May, along with how Willie feels he wants to develop the squad. So we're a bit early for those conversations. Um, our priority at the moment is just thinking a little bit, of, like most clubs, um, thinking about retention more than anything because of May the 1st. And, and obviously clubs can uh, players can talk to other clubs. So um, obviously we just announced Ryan Hall recently and we're looking at reten We've got a couple of more offers out to some of our players in terms of retaining them at the moment. So um, I'd say it's more about being fully aware of who's available. When it comes to the NRL, players aren't generally available yet from the NRL anyway. It's about this time of year, I think you've got to sort the English market out and the NRL market develops in the next few months. So we're, we're just looking at our own squad. But yeah, we will be uh, on top of everything. We we have got a healthy budget to work with and, you know, uh, in terms of maximum of the salary cap. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll be a, a reasonably busy club. Are you in a position where we can start thinking that Hull KR might be a club that go down the marquee player room? Is that viable? Is that is that realistic now? Uh, was it realistic before? Yes, we will, we would go down that route. Was it viable before? Probably, yes, but it it is definitely more so now. Mm-hmm. Can so probably go a little bit beyond beyond because obviously, marquee is it one seven five that classes the marquee one hundred seventy five thousand. Yeah. We absolutely want to be challenging and winning trophies over the next few years and challenging at the top of the game. And we understand that um, that involves constant um, assessment of our squad and and retaining and attracting top-end quality players. And that's fully what we intend to do and we intend to compete with anybody. Mm -hmm. It's such a challenge, that market, though, isn't it? In, In the sense of, we won't name names, but a lot of clubs have gone down the marquee player route. Not all of them have really come off. So it's it's always a case of, yeah, great that you've got the money to spend, but no good if you don't spend it on the right player. And I suppose that's the, the perennial challenge for, for any club that's looking into that market. Yeah, it is. And um, I'd like to think at heart I'm a, I'm a grounded, sensible person anyway. So um, I won't be getting carried. I've perhaps been around long enough to, I won't be getting carried away by big signings in that respect. It, you know, if we bring in a high quality player, um, we'll have certainly done all our research on on, on that player. Um, there's no such thing as any guarantees. You know, if you're talking about overseas um, high-end players, then there's all sorts of issues about families, kids, settling in the country, um, adapting. And you never truly know until they come over. So you're right. Um, but then, do you know what? Any signing's a risk. Or, 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 or there's an element of a risk in any in nearly every signing. So it's about it's about what you you'd, you'd expect me to say, but it's so true. You've got to do your homework. You've got to eliminate the the risk as much as you can and lower that percentage by giving yourself as much comfort as possible that um, a player and, and whether you're bringing them in on two hundred grand or fifty grand is that they're going to bring you that value for for that for that price. Mm-hmm. Just on on Hull KR as a club, um, it feels like really exciting times. You know, there's there's all sorts going on. You, you've put some plans out early doors after the um, after after the investment that you've brought in from from the individuals that have joined the power board. We've heard bits and bats. You know, training facilities. I think you've mentioned 
about the the, the main stand redevelopment, um, a bit on Craven Street. Where's everything at, at the minute in terms of these plans that you, you're trying to push? Because it's not just obviously about building a good team. You've you've gone on record and said you want to build a a good a, a better campus. club than you've got now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. campus. Yeah, um, our priority at the moment, our immediate priority is, and it's something that um, we, we want to ideally have in place by the, the end of this year, and and it's something that would would look to announce in in the next few weeks is. Uh, it's a real strong community um, piece too, which would be to have, um, uh, yes, it, it will allow some of our juniors and, and perhaps first team to play on, but it's very much uh, community-based that we'll, we want our own full-size 3G pitch on, on our campus, on our land, which um, I think, so to put things in perspective, in Hull, there's only one. There's only one full, uh, full uh, world rugby size three um, G pitch, and it's um, within the boundary of Hull Uni. So, for us to have one, one on uh, our land would be fantastic for uh, the city, but probably particularly good for the east of the city and the local community amateur clubs, because part of growing the campus is bringing the community along with us, and. Um, and getting those those guys more involved, and if those facilities can be used at, at some time for you know our first team or women's team or or, or academy players, then fantastic. But um, that that's the first that's the first part um, that we want in place because I think that that will have a significant change to the surrounding area in terms of a facility that I've no doubt will be in high demand. In, in terms of the bigger picture. Um, we're still working that through. I've gone on record as saying that what we really want to um, build next is a purpose-built building, uh, what I call a place of work for the first team, for the academy, possibly f for the foundation too, um, with the facilities, um, training facilities and the uh, classrooms and, and the working environment that would be required for an elite squad. And that is what um, we'll be working on. Well, we're working in parallel with the with the 3G, but uh, the 3G will come first, and then we'll be working on that on that facility because I think we will absolutely develop the stadium and the surrounding land, but we want to get the right facilities in place um, to attract the right quality of player, to uh, attract the right quality of uh, uh, staff around the players, you know. Uh, and um, I don't mean specifically mean coaching, but yeah, or from so, from soft to uh, soft tissue therapists to rehab, uh, there's so many different roles that's involved now to to give the players the best uh, opportunity to to be the best they can on match day. So um, it's about about attracting those that caliber of personnel too, and to do that you need the facilities. So we are making great strides. Um, yeah, and the club has been um, really moving forward in in the last couple of years. Um, really pleased with where we're at. An awful lot more to do. Um, and yeah, I don't think we'll truly look back until it'll be probably be five years to see where we're at. But um, it is positive. We intend to be challenging seriously on the pitch, but also um, really developing the the club on the land that we have. You must be relatively um, well, very pleased with lack attendances so far. You know, because they've you, they've been good. The, I was at the Wigan game. Um, the atmosphere was brilliant at that match, the opening game of the season. Yeah, 
Yeah, we are. Yeah, and we are. And uh, our memberships are, are strong. Um, you know, I'm constantly pushing up. We're all pushing those. I've got a good team around me. You know, honestly, you're only as good as the people around you. And uh, uh, we're pushing at all those areas because um, we do think we're, we're a club on the rise. And we do think that, the uh, you know, the supporters are, are really behind us. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're pleased with where we're at, you know. Um, Friday nights are good for us. We create a really good atmosphere. It can be very lively down here. So um, with street, etc., we can create a, a real sort of um, Friday night, good night out atmosphere. So yeah, things are looking good. Do you treat yourself to a, a night at Craven Street? Is is this is the CEO allowed to do that? <laughs> no, I don't. Do you know what I don't on match days? Um, yeah. No, I don't. I eat very little, really, on match days, to be honest. Um, I, I never have, wherever I've been. That's not because I particularly get uh, nervous. I, I just don't, really. But So, no, I don't. You won't see me um, with, with, with a load of tacos in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll eat them for you. Um, just, just on what, what you're doing, everything at the minute that any club does ties into IMG. Um we have seen yep. the proposals for grading. Uh, we have heard some of the feedback from clubs for grading, some positive, some not so positive. I just wondered where you you stood in terms of what what we know from IMG so far, what they're trying to do, and, and, and probably more so the, the grading proposals that are currently out there in the, in the public domain. Look, yeah, I... I've been public on it. I'm I, I'm a big supporter of it. I, I think there's um, a little bit more detail that needs definitely working through on, on some of the points around gr on, on the grading. But this is what, in my opinion, the support uh, the sport needs. It needs some stability in terms of understanding and um, where all clubs are at and are they able to raise their game to a certain level in terms of as a club and this is what the grading will allow them to do um people keep talking about promotion relegation and and you know that will still be there for several years to come but even then if there's a um club in the championship or even league one that has got long-term aspirations then the grading will all be laid out there if, if they hit the the right grading points and get uh, you know 15 or more points etc then you know there'll be there'll be a grade a team too so, too so um, for me, it's an opportunity for for anybody and everyone. You can either do it um, on the pitch, and 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 and, or you can do it by having the the, the best facilities and, and 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 pushing yourselves that way. It's an, I just see it as an opportunity, and and you know, and I, and I know like you know we're the last club. Look, Lee look like they're going to make a very good shout of it this year, but we're the last club that got uh, promoted and have stayed up. And I think that was uh, what four or five years ago now. Five years ago now, um, and I, I don't think the sport has enough has enough depth to to continue to keep having uh, promotion relegation. You know, I would like to see. I would personally like to see Super League fourteen teams um, and grow from there. Uh, I don't think, as it stands, there are more than fourteen teams that could viably be in a position to compete in Super League. And I, I'm not sure there's enough depth in players for, for many more teams than that. And mm -hmm. that that that's the truth. That's the reality of it. Um, and um, so, yeah, I'm I'm a big um, believer in what IMG are, are positioning. 
Uh, I saw a quote the other day saying um, it favours the Super League clubs. Well, I just think that's a ridiculous comment because, of course, of course it's going to uh, favour the Super League clubs as it stands at the moment because the grading will, you know, the, the clubs in Super League have the better facilities by and large. So they're bound mm -hmm. to be in a stronger position. It's, it's, it, what the grading is there for is a challenge for everybody, a challenge for everybody to, 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 to raise the bar and, and not to complain about it, but actually to think how we're going to deliver this. Mm -hmm. Just to give, right, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit in a minute, but you made a valid point. Clubs come up and more often than not, they go down. I know that everyone loves the idea of their club, whoever they may be. Um, Halifax is an obvious one for me to talk about because I'm from Halifax. All Halifax fans love the idea of maybe we've just got that shot of going up, you know, getting up to Super League. But the reality is, surely at the minute, if a club were to do that, history suggests that they're not ready in their current entity. And I don't want to make this about Halifax, that's not fair. I'm just generalising here. They're not ready to stay up because they don't have all these things that IMG are saying you need to ultimately be sustainable at that level. Isn't that the whole point, that if you, if you follow the IMG gradings... And, and and the guy, it's almost a blueprint to becoming a Super League club, isn't it? If you follow this blueprint, then actually you will viably be doing all the things you need to do to be a sustainable Super League club. Isn't that, isn't that the point almost? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And also, if all clubs do achieve that bar, then um, the, there should, like the NRL model, be a greater spread of teams winning trophies. Um mm -hmm. So, because there'll be more competition within the, the elite league, because everybody's more or less in a similar position in terms of, and I don't mean, just mean that in terms of um, uh, players and salary cap, but in terms of like how many staff they've got in the marketing department, what they can really do to grow their gates, you know, how strong are they on social media? Um, so, all that areas around the fandom area, they're, they're all, you know, they're all vitally important. So, to me, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. You know, we brought in investors into the club. IMG said at the very early stages, you know, when when we, you know, when we were discussing it, it, was all about all clubs need the broadcasting money. Of course they do. And it's the major income into clubs. But there is another way of bringing income, income into the clubs. And that's through your own, bringing your own investors in. We've done that. And I'd like to think other clubs, you know, follow suit uh, and, and look to do that. And then that might provide greater resources to develop the club and meet the criteria I think the the bit where I was going to flip it a little bit and I could I could sympathize with this a little bit and it was Kevin Nicholas who said this that he thought that his club would have to get would have to be a grade b club to be viable for super league but actually they'd have to be the 12th best club which is a much bigger challenge because you would think there's going to be quite a lot of grade B clubs in there, including some Super League clubs. Um, yeah, definitely. Do you, is there a little bit of a something to be looked at there? Do you think, in your opinion, where you know if if you're grade B, there should be that up and down element from Super League? Because I think that's where a lot of the the clubs seem to have a great, mainly the ones in the championship. They think if grade B finishes top championship, grade B finishes bottom Super League, there should be promotion relegation to give them a chance with the distribution, you know, and then do these things, so on and so forth. Do you think that's a fair comment or, or not? Look, I can see some merit in it. I don't think whatever was going to happen, it was going to please all. 
Um, mm. In fact, I don't think there is such a model that will please all. You know, it's a sport whereby you've got clubs, you know, some with brand new stadia, quite a few clubs spending maximum salary cap, some, quite a few clubs getting decent crowds, eight, nine, ten thousand. And then you've got clubs getting one, two thousand, not having the facilities. You're always going to get different opinions because all clubs are at different stages um, of 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 the of the development uh, of where they're at. So it's going to be not impossible for a club that um, you know is a really strong community club and does some great things in the community and is really important to that town. Um, but it may be that they, you know, that is that is where they're at. It may be that is where they're at. You, it's very difficult to position something that will please clubs in that position. Then, then will equally please clubs that are pushing for the Super League playoffs, or you know, or you know, or the grand final, or, or, or I'm pushing in that direction. You know, I saw it myself in, you know, um, in, even more extreme in football when I was in the uh, uh, not in the Premier League when I was in the um, EFL, and you know, you had seventy-two clubs there. And, you know, an extreme example, you had clubs like Leeds United and Accrington Stanley and everybody in between. And, yeah. um, it, you know, this is a smaller version of that, but it's the same thing. You're never going to get something that everybody's going to be happy with. I, sp- I think one of the comments that someone made was, like, attendance is, the, attendance is one that's brought up. And it's coming back to the same point, ultimately. They, they were saying, how can we compete attendance-wise if we've got, Clubs who are in the bottom of the championship who don't bring many away fans, where this club gets Warrington and Leeds and you know Salford bring away followings. Naturally, they've got an advantage because they've got the big away following coming. Where we don't have that is, I think they're the sort of, and I don't think it's probably aimed at the clubs at the very very top. You know, you say it's it's. I think I think it's those clubs that are maybe seen as the bottom of the Super League compared to the top of the championship, isn't it? The ones where the gap between quality of club maybe isn't as big. That seems to be where some of the the issues are arising. So from the outside looking in anyway. Well develop your home crowds then. Be proactive, get on with it. Uh, do some marketing. Um yeah you know, I think there's an obsession in this sport about away crowds. Um you know you don't hear it in other sports. There's an obsession about attendances in this sport. Um but um yeah, you know, develop work your own patch. Develop develop your own supporter base. Don't be relying on how many fans are are, are going to be uh, coming to your stadium. You know, you know the perfect scenario for for us would be that we can only give away. You know, the perfect scenario would be that we can only give an away club the minimum allocation because we're filling it with our home fans. You know, just let's be positive. Um, and yeah, we're in the position we're in. Let's develop your own club. Develop your own mm. supporter base. Very, just very finally, before I let you go, uh, where do you think Kulki are positioned with IMG? Are you confident of Grade A? Do you do you think that that's realistic at this stage? Do you think you've got some work to do? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think um, I think we'll be close. My honest answer is I'm not entirely sure. If we're not in A, we'll be a high end B, very high end B, uh, maybe B one, B two, but we may be in A. I, I, um, we'll be very close. Uh, I haven't worked it out ourselves where I think we are exactly yet because um, I wanted to um, 
there's a couple more internal meetings on understanding the detail behind the grading that I wanted to to um, to see. And also, you know, the true grading accounts for uh, 25% of it is performance on the pitch. And um, and this season is one of the years that it will be counted. So, yeah, if you think about it, concentrate on getting it right on the pitch and there's 25% or, or leading towards your grading so um i'll look into it at the right time you know if, if one if we're not um, an a and we could well be but if we're not then um we'll get it very quickly well thank you very much for coming on i appreciate that i might have denied you doing another swap deal while you've uh spent your time out uh speaking to us but good good to have you on big game this weekend I'm sure you're uh you're looking forward to that yeah um leeds rhinos under the lights live on sky always a great uh one to look forward to um should be a really competitive game i'm sure it will be um yeah um uh, love playing leeds rhinos um always a good atmosphere so looking forward to it let's head back to wakefield now and the second part of our interview with michael carter who discusses the club's future prospects img and much much more you've mentioned earlier about you know the promotion relegation the british way but how many challenges it brings. It, it don't really want to think about it. No, no fan wants to think about it, but it, it's a pretty grim picture for for any club, your own club included, if relegation was to happen. Just how just how bleak is it? You know, if that sort of reality comes to light for any club, how how do you move forward from there? Yeah, I mean, let's let's put it into context. We're not at life and death, you know. So no. let's, yeah, it's not a Ukraine war or anything like that. Let's be thankful that we live in a country where, you know, these things do affect us, but you know, not directly. So let's let's not put it into life and death scenarios because there's a lot of stuff out there that is a much bleaker picture than what we're facing at this moment in time. But equally, on a sporting front, it is absolutely massive because we've put. 10 years of hard graft into things like, for example, our academy, um, which I think produces players. Uh, I think, you know, we could go through a whole list of uh, of players that have come through our academy and are, are thriving at Super League level. Uh, and equally, I think we've got some kids in there at the minute that have got an absolutely belting chance of being Super League players. So, you know, all that investment over 10 years, um, there will be question marks around that because, you have to think to yourself, it cost me 300 grand a year to, to put that academy together. Will we, be, will we be able to afford that? You know, uh, that's that's question mark number one. Um, equally, you know, after 40 years of, of Wakefield being hit round the head about facilities, and certainly in my 10 years, that's that's been right up there with what we've been beating around the head with. You know, we are improving the facilities there. The stand will be finished in, in August. The car park will be done. The north stand's been done. And I don't want to really get into pitch gate, but, you know, we've put <laughs> over half a million pounds of investment into a pitch, which, given that we've made one or two mistakes with it, ultimately will be one of the best pitches in Super League. And I had this discussion with, uh, I've met with Sean Wayne and Dave Rotherham today, had this discussion about when was the last time that we had a rugby league-specific pitch laid in Super League. And I suspect you're going back to an opening of probably Warrington Stadium. Um, 
So, you know, forget about your, your football stadiums, an actual rugby league specific pitch. I think we're the first since, since Warrington. And yet, you know, because we've made one or two mistakes with it, we've been beaten around the head with that as well. So we've, we've made, you know, new footlights have been in place. We've put a new big screen in. Um, so that facility is absolutely getting, you know, the, the, the upgrade that it has been crying out for for 40 years. Equally, then <laughs> you look at the end of the season and think, right, you know, what's what's the future going to hold um, if we are in the championship with that facility? And I don't know the answer to that, as but that's that's another question that you've got to got to think about um, as the as the season goes on. So there are there are for me that it's probably them two key elements. Is uh, oh sorry, there's a third one. Sorry, the the community foundation. You know, we've again spent. 10 years building that up. We've got great links in the community. We, we touch so many um, kids lives with what we, what we do in the community. And for me, it was one of the drivers that I started out with is that I wanted to get kids out of the houses playing sport, not particularly rugby league, but obviously we are a rugby league club and I've always been a massive advocate of getting kids to play sport. I think it, it brings so many benefits to the lives, just in in terms of camaraderie, the, the the feeling of belonging to something, and ultimately getting fitter and healthier. And I think going back to 2012 when I first got involved, you know, Wakefield was in a was in the top ten for obesity in kids in in the country. So that was always a driver for me. So I think there's three major areas there that then have question marks against them. Um, should you should you become a championship club? And I know. There are championship clubs that still have thriving community foundations, that still have thriving stadiums, and that still have thriving academies. But I think it becomes a whole lot harder. And I, I you know, I speak to Nigel at Bradford a lot. I speak to Ian Crow when he was at Halifax. Um, I know how tough it can be. So that you know, there are big, big areas that we would need to address. It it all you know falls in line with. IMG and what and what they are doing at the minute with gradings and and everything like that. Um, yeah. What's just broadly speaking, what is your take on the proposals that we've seen so far? We have seen a mixture of um, reactions: some positive, some negative, some indifferent, some in the middle. Where where do where do you stand with it? I think as a sport, and, and this is my personal view, and I think it's John's as well, I think we were absolutely that we wanted to back what IMG were trying to do with the sport because we felt that it was absolutely the last chance saloon for the sport to try and position itself as one of the big five sports, get a get a improved TV deal. You know, this is this is the last opportunity for us to do it. What we've yet to see, and I think which is why we remain uh, undecided is the minutiae of the criteria. Uh, and equally, I've been on a meeting today where there has been uh, some things explained, but I still, I still think there is a lot of detail that we need to see before we can vote posit- positively uh, to take the IMG deal forward. That's absolutely not me writing that off at all. But we need to see that detail because I'll give you uh, a small example of of one of the issues that I see. And there's probably many at the minute, but one small example would be you look at St. Helens, uh, who have built a I think it costs 38 million pounds for their stadium. 
they get half a sorry i think it's a quarter point for having primacy of tenure and having built a 38 million pound stadium and yet an eighth of a point you can get for just having a big screen which costs 60 grand so i think mm. there's a for me there's a there's an issue there in terms of waiting um you know i i, I again i've spoken to somebody today who i think there's six clubs currently in super league that might have primacy of tenure. I might be wrong there, but it'll be roughly half and half between football stadiums and and, and and having primacy of tenure. What if the clubs that have primacy of tenure decide that they are going to recede their pitches in June, July, August, when the football stadiums do? We'll have zero pitches to yeah. actually play on. So are we going to have a break in Super League for three months? Um, you know, there's, there's that sort of thing that I'd like to get more clarity on before we go to this vote. Um, and I, I've got a meeting with the, or I should say, I, we, we've got a meeting with um, some of the people involved in the whole uh, criteria grading process. And, and hopefully those queries and, and questions will get answered before we go to any vote. Um, and I think that's, that's how it's got to be. But ultimately, we absolutely want to be supportive of the direction of travel. But I think there's a lot still to be explained. Like everyone has their own opinion on uh, how how their clubs will fare. Um, yeah. Fans will have different opinions. Uh, you know, gonna, everyone's going to have their own opinion. From from your perspective, where where the Wakefield fare in in these? Where where do you think you're at? Do you think you're close to an A? Do you think you're a B? Do you think you're a good B, mid B? What? what <laughs> without without knowing, you know, can't read book, can't not got the the globe, have you? But no, ball, but. no. I mean, it's it's a great question, Matt, because when we sat in the initial meeting, um, I was at the top, I was at the table because I was the RFL council member, and John was sat at the back of the room, uh, just sort of listening in. And we went through all the all the slides and all the criteria, and I sort of texted him at the end and went, "What's your score then of where where you thought we'd be?" And I'm Mr. Ultra Pessimistic and John's kind of way more optimistic than I am uh, with this sort of thing. And we found out, obviously, that grade A is 15 and above and, and grade B is sort of seven and a half above. And I had us at around about a nine and John had us at around about a 12. So we kind of said, right, we'll meet in the middle. Yeah. They were about 10.5. Um, I think since then, I, I think I I would certainly upgrade where we are i think from listening to certain snippets of it certainly around obviously the facilities that are much improved the primacy of tenure i think where we where we will fall short in certain aspects is obviously ground attendances you know we're mm -hmm. not we haven't had the, the 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 best number of fans that have attended over the last sort of two or three years um, but I do think we do well on things like social media outreach. I, I think we we score quite well there. Um, certainly the, the meeting I had with Seven League, which is part of the IMG group, uh, regarding social media, I was expecting a bit of a blasting from the meeting. And actually they were quite, well, they were very complimentary about what we do uh, with regards to social media. So, you know, I, I certainly I'm not expecting an A because I think you know you're looking at your Leeds, your Wiggins, your Saints, your your Warringtons, your usual suspects mm -hmm. with that. But I think we can certainly be uh, a strong B, um, and ultimately, you know, if we can improve on certain aspects of the of the club, then potentially, you know, we we've got to aim for an A. We've got to have that ambition 
to be a, 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 a class A group, a class A club. But I do think that uh, when when you have got crowds like we currently have, you know, uh, a financial benefactor maybe becomes the solution to all of that. Uh, and as I've said recently, you know, that's not me. I haven't got I haven't got that means um, personally to do that. Uh, and equally, you know, if somebody out there did have that that wanted to um, invest that into into Wakefield Trinity, then. We're all ears on that, you know. We'd we'd love people to either come on board or ultimately say to me, you know, clear off now. You've done your bit. Um, I want to take it from here. So, so just to wrap up, just on a few things there. I think John Minard said in an interview he did with, with Trinity TV that there've been a few conversations uh, with with potential um, investors, uh, potential investors. Is, have they advanced at all? Are they are they coming on? Have new people come in? I, I suppose we, with things like this, if from experience of potential investors coming into clubs, it can it can take a long, long time to to get things over the line, and something could look great, and then the next thing it's it's gone. But then the flip side, something can happen very quick at times, where out of nowhere. So where are you at with it? I think that that second scenario where something happens very quick is you, is ultimately the one that gets done. I think mm-hmm. the ones where you have conversation after conversation after conversation ultimately end up being what we we used to call tire kickers, didn't we? That yeah. you know they've come to look at the car, they've ticked the, they've kicked the tires, and then they've they've cleared off. So um, uh, th- there has been some conversations. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that you know they were positive or negative or whatever they might be. They're, they're just been general conversations about where we feel the club can go to um if you know and 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 people have taken away kind of financial information about the club i think the club is is in a good place you know it has got some debt in it from the um from the dcms loans uh, and ultimately the council who helped us buy the freehold of the stadium but i think by and large other than you know my sort of director's loan, which I'm absolutely not bothered about. Um, you know the club's in a in a decent position, so I think it is uh, a proposition that that is ultimately investable in. Um, but equally, I then sit to myself chuckling on a night time because the number of times I read that if Carter cleared off, there's a consortium ready to uh, take over. Uh, you know, just it, it used to be Glover and it used to be Ted before that as well. So, you know, it's there's always apparently there's always a consortium ready to take over if somebody would just clear off. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of clearing off, um, that's that's a, a horrible phrase to use, but you, you have announced you have announced that uh, you're resigning. Yeah. Uh, I think in your resignation, like you said, no later than the end of the season, mm-hmm. potentially before that. Um, yeah. How is that route out of the club looking for you? And I suppose a, a follow-on question to that is everything that's going on at the minute, from recruitment to IMG to you know talks with potential investors, is that actually forcing you to stay on a little bit longer? Is it delaying that? What, what uh, well, that? I think so, certainly last night um, when the when the Corey and, and Will Dagger swap was announced, I think that just. Uh, uh, told me that I'd absolutely made the right decision to to step down. Um, I didn't. I didn't generally get to. I, I never want to read some of the comments that are on social media. But I have got friends that were sort of giving me an indication of 
of what was out there. And uh, I certainly won't miss that aspect of uh, life in Wakefield. Um, and I know it's absolutely only a small minority, but it does affect you. You know, you'll you'll know, Matt, you'll have had similar instances where you've reported something and, and then got absolutely caned or rinsed or, you know, abused by certain people. And it, and it does affect you. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you know, these things hurt and it did hurt last night. Um, because every decision that I've ever taken has always been with the best interests of Wakefield Trinity at heart. So, so things like that do affect me. Um, I think uh, on on the CEO front, you know, we we have had talks with an individual about him taking over. Um, they are, uh, I'm not going to say early days because I think they're a little bit beyond that, but not finalised yet. But it will be a, an individual, hopefully, that will drive the the non rugby business. Uh, in the facility that um, you know we are about to about to inherit, and that needs to be working 350 days of the year because that will then drive the revenue that will help us increase and, and improve the the on-field rugby aspect of the club as well. So hopefully, you know, we can turn it into a into a proper uh, sort of proper business that actually just runs a little bit of rugby league every now and again, which is how how it needs to be really. Um, so yeah, you know that that. That plan is uh, is underway as we speak. Um, in terms of any future involvement for me, you know, I'm not leaving Wakefield. In terms of, I still live here, um, and, I, and I'll still live here for the foreseeable future as well. So, whatever they wanted, you know, if if somebody came in and 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 uh, was willing to take the club on, whatever they wanted from me, I would do my damnedest to to help with. You know, whether they want help on the rugby side or the financial side or they want me to paint some walls or come down and jet wash some terracing, you know, whatever it might be, I'd be more than happy to to help with. And that's that's always been the case. If there's if there's somebody out there that um, you know we feel can take this club to a, a a bigger and better level, then absolutely it's the right thing for Wakefield Trinity, and and I will do anything I can to facilitate that um, and and help out in any way that I can. And I want to get back to being able to come to games and just sit and watch as a fan and and enjoy them and enjoy rugby league and and I probably haven't been there now for maybe about three years. I can't remember the last time I watched a, a game of rugby league without feeling butterflies, nerves, whatever it might be, and and actually just sitting and enjoying it, um, which is a which is a massive shame really because you know I love the sport. Uh, I've been. Uh, I, I grew up on the sport. I've always. I've never played it, but I've always loved it, and uh, and that's where I want to get back to. I've kind of, I guess, fallen out of love with it a little bit, and I want to get yeah. back to that. Well, I don't think anyone could blame me for that, Michael. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been a, a pleasure to speak. Hope, uh, hope the wheeling and dealing, as you call it, is uh, fruitful next couple of days and weeks, and yeah. uh, see how we get on. Yeah, great stuff. No, thank you, Matt. Thank you for giving me this platform to to try and put a few things straight and uh, you know let's let's hope that we can uh, just get a couple of wins in the next few weeks plenty to ponder then for Hull KR and Wakefield Trinity fans big thank you to Paul Lakin and Michael Carter for their time discussing that swap deal and plenty more ultimately the proof will be in the pudding as to who got the best end of that deal. That's where we wrap up this episode of House of League. Big thank you to everyone who's listened again, to both Paul Lakin and Michael Carr. We'll be back for another episode of House of League next week. In between, 
make sure you stay safe, but beyond anything else, enjoy your rugby league. Take care. <laughs> 